Welcome to the California League Research Project Podcast with Mario Ramos. Here's your host, Mario Ramos. Welcome to the California League Research Project Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Ramos. Uh, pleased to be joined by the official historian of the California League, Chris Lampy. Again, the official historian, a one-time minority owner of the San Jose Giants, um, a lifelong uh, baseball fan, lifelong California League um, baseball fan, so a guy that's kind of kind of help us out here. We're going to jump around and talk about a few different things, um, and no one better to talk about that with than the official historian of the California League, Chris Lampy. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Appreciate it. All right, um, so yeah, the, uh, the early formation of the league, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, not necessarily that part. Um, we know the league... Uh, this iteration of the California League, um, the one that we know and, and uh, you know hold dear to our heart, uh, began in 1941, um, and then there was a little hiatus there. And it, it's I didn't want to say that it was widely assumed um, that that um, the war was kind of responsible for that gap between 1942 and 1946. Um, but doing my research, it seems widely assumed that th- that was the reason. Um, you have a different take on it that I kind of found interesting and uh, seemed to find a little more viable. Um, what, what is yeah. that exactly? Yeah, your research is correct. Everything you find at first says it was suspended due to the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 2016, to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the California League, I uh, went in and uh, did a project on every day in the California League history. And one of the days that I picked was the day that they stopped playing in 1942. Oh, wow. And what I found was that the real reason was not the uh, World War II, mm-hmm. but it had to do financial, in that there was only four teams, first off, in 1942. Yeah. Okay. And only one of them, the Fresno Cardinals, which had a uh, affiliation with the St. Louis Cardinals, yeah. was actually making money. Hmm. The other three teams, the San Jose Owls, the Bakersfield Badgers, and the Santa Barbara Saints, were actually losing money. The uh, other reason that sort of backs this up is at that point, only one player from all four rosters had gone on, had been drafted or gone on to uh, into the military. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So not necessarily, um, you know, people um, clamoring, not not clamoring, but having to uh, to join the war at that time. So it kind of lend itself to to a lot more um, players being readily available. Um, but like you said, you know, just not making, you know, didn't make financial sense for them to keep going. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about Fresno being successful. Um, some of these teams that we see nowadays, um, you know, successful within, um, you know, as far as long-term, um, you know, long-term sustainability within the league, um, seem to be in the Valley area. Um, you know, San Jose, kind of a, uh, a larger city, has been successful. Um, but you see Visalia, Modesto, Stockton, those types of, of teams. Um, why has the California League kind of been successful in those areas, in your opinion? Uh, they have a great fan support. And uh, the, the other reason is that uh, besides the fan support, there are communities that really have no other sports around them. They mm. are the big uh, team in town. Yeah. Uh, you get over to San Jose, you have uh, competition from the Oakland A's and San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, the early teams in the uh, Cal League that were in the South, they also had uh, competition from the L.A. Angels at the time. Yeah. And Santa Barbara and Ventura, 
they just did not draw that well. Plus, there was a long trips for uh, all the Valley teams to get there. Hmm. Okay, so it's kind of a hassle, um, you know, in a sense to get there. Because you think about it, like some of these um, cities you mentioned, Santa Barbara, Ventura, um, these seem like ideal cities for, for a California League type of, of baseball league. Um, but, you know, they, they were kind of a hit and miss in that, that regard um, where they didn't sustain um, as long as um, some of these teams within the Valley. Right, and they just didn't draw down there. Uh, hmm. Like uh, after Ventura came into the league in '47. And then in uh, 53, Ventura and Santa Barbara actually combined their teams to become yeah. known as the Channel City Oilers. Mm -hmm. If the 54 season, playing half their games in Ventura, half in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Again, they didn't draw in either place. And in mid-season 55, the Channel City Oilers picked up and moved to Reno, Nevada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, you know, let's go there. We're going to jump there to Reno. That was kind of my next stop, my next question. Um, that, that's kind of one of those um, you know, oddities in a sense that it's a, a Nevada team in this California league, um, but Reno's really had a, a pretty strong tradition of baseball kind of dating be, uh, before the uh, California league, um, within the California league, and now um, in the PCL. Um, you know, why was that, that such a viable location and, and able to sustain itself in the California league um, for 37 years? Again, for Reno, it was the only uh, baseball game in town. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will tell you that all the California League teams loved going to Reno because <laughs> they could gamble. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they, they also drew well. I mean, they had some of the best attendance uh, in the Cal League during those years. Plus, they put good, team, good teams on the field. Okay. I mean, their 1961 team is one of the uh, best in Cal League history. Uh, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, 1991, uh, the San Jose Giants opened the season in Reno, mm -hmm. and my son and I went up to uh, watch the game, and it's a game I'll never forget. It was the uh, first game Ron Wotus, who's a coach for the San Francisco yeah. Giants right now, managed for San Jose, okay. and it's probably one of the only games in history that I left very early huh. because they had a... Uh, it's 20 degree weather with 45 Ooh. mile an hour winds. Ooh. He had a 15 minute frozen base delay, a 15 minute snow delay. Oh, but wow. one thing I told you about the fans in Reno, yeah. there were 997 fans there at the start of the game. Uh -huh. When it ended, there were three. <laughs> Those are three brave souls right there. My goodness. All right, uh, let, let's go ahead and shift gears here a little bit, if you would. Um, I, I've had the pleasure uh, the other day of talking with uh, Ken Korak, um, who, as you know, was a one-time uh, Redwood Pioneers announcer um, within the California League. Um, and he kind of uh, talked about a, a special moment in his career um, in 1981 when he was with the Pioneers um, during the uh, players' strike uh, within Major League Baseball. Um, the Reno Padres and the Redwood Pioneers got to play a, a two-game set um, in the uh, stadiums of the Angels and Padres at the time. You know, I also read about uh, the Modesto, um, Modesto area host accommodating the uh, 1962 World Series clubs, the Yankees and the Giants, um, due to a typhoon at the time at Candlestick. Have there been any other instances where there's kind of had these big league moments within the California League? Yes, believe it or not, there is. Uh, in 1988... Uh... Uh, Modesto was then a farm team for the Oakland A's, and the San Jose Giants played the Oakland A's at the Oakland Alameda County uh, Coliseum. 
okay. after an Oakland A's game, and yeah. uh, the Giants ended up winning one nothing on a Mark Leonard sacrifice fly with Eric Gunderson, who went on to pitch in the major leagues, being the winning pitcher. Wow. Uh, plus, uh, San Jose played Lake Elsinore a few years ago uh, after a game uh, for the Padres down in San Diego. Okay. But the it's interesting because the all-time Cal League attendance record is considered the uh, Redwood Pioneers mm -hmm. uh, versus the Reno Padres in San Diego yeah. during the strike, and uh, they actually had thirty-two thousand out for that game. Yeah, yeah, that's what Ken Korak was was saying. He wanted me to to check that, but he was uh, he was pretty sure that that was the largest crowd in California League history. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. No, that that is super cool. I was checking out. Uh, you know, Michael Reinhardt, obviously. Um, you know, he's uh, kind of been uh, gracious as you have been um, during this process where I'm trying to uh, to uh, research as much as I can on the California League. He actually shared some programs with me, and that game came across uh, one of the schedules there. So uh, that's nice of you to, to share that information with me, um, you know, just as that came up. It's very timely. Yeah, one thing I'll just say, Michael and I are very good friends, and Michael has an excellent website. Mm -hmm. uh, I've sent Phenomenal. Michael most of my Cal League programs okay. for the simple reason we want to have uh, as many of them we can in one place. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Like I say, Michael loves the Cal League as much as I do, and I can tell as much as you do, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I got I got a box boxes full of storage that I, um, hopefully, you know, I could get into it at some point, and maybe I could uh, contribute to that those efforts as well. Um, that that would be pretty cool because, like you said, uh, you know, to have those all in one place to, to be able to to keep this uh, you know this this league that's just so darn um, you know cool in my opinion. Um, you know, I know it's um, you know it gets it gets the credit. I don't want to say that it, it's not getting the credit it deserves, um, but I just think that there's so much more to be told about this league. I agree with you, hundred percent. Awesome. Um, you know, and, uh, like I said, you, you know, I appreciate your graciousness as far as uh, you uh, providing me with some insight. Um, one of those things you provided me with is that newsletter. Um, we talked about those big league moments. Um, you know, one of the interesting things that I found today was that Tommy John spent some time in in Modesto, um, actually rehabbing, right? Yes, he did. He, he had uh, two rehab uh, starts in Modesto. I believe he went about 11 innings, uh, had a 5.73 ERA, but of course, on rehab, they just want you yeah, to, uh, to get some pitch, yeah. and they don't care about ERA or records or anything like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I thought that was fascinating, one of those, again, those, those cool little tidbits that, that make this league, uh, you know, pretty cool and pretty unique. Definitely. California League Research Project Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Ramos. Uh, pleased to be joined by the official historian of the California League, Chris Lampy. You know, so I also, uh, again, being a fan of the California League, um, I caught the Portside Pod podcast um, with you and uh, the new Ports announcer, Alex Jensen. Uh, you guys were talking about some of the, or not, not some of the greatest teams, but in your opinion, the greatest team um, is the 1947 um, Stockton Ports, right? In my opinion, yes. Okay. And that is because uh, they had a 26-game winning streak. Uh, mm -hmm. They blew away the competition during the regular season. And also in that year, uh, the California League champion played the Sunset League champion, which mm. was a uh, league of eight teams in Southern California. Okay. And uh, for the California State Championship, and the Stockton Port swept the uh, Riverside oh, wow. Dons in four straight games. Nice. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I've been reading um, this this awesome book by uh, Claudia Boob Hagen um, about the 1966 Modesto Reds. Um, you know, are they in the conversation? Are there any other 
um, teams that are in the conversation. You mentioned uh, one of those Reno teams. Um, who are some of the other clubs that, that could be in that conversation as some of the greatest teams in California League history? Well, I definitely would include the 1966 Modesto Reds. I mean, that's a team with Reggie Jackson, yeah. Hall of Famer, Raleigh Fingers, mm -hmm. Hall of Famer, Joe Rudy, Dave Duncan. I mean, just an yeah. awesome team. Tony La Russa, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, the other teams that I would include would be the 1955 Fresno Cardinals. Mm -hmm. They hold the California League record with 105 wins in a season. Wow. Uh, also, the 1961 uh, Reno Silver Sox, that was a team with uh, Dick Nen, who was Rob Nen's father oh. as a hitter. He had about 36 home runs or so in the Cal League that year. Yeah. And the 1978 Visalia Oaks, which was a very interesting team, mm -hmm. and they were a farm team for the Minnesota Twins, okay. which was kind of a cheap organization. Yeah. So for the whole year, they only had like 22 players wow. and only 15 uh, position players. So they had seven starters were there. Or the starters were basically there all year. And you had seven uh, position players score 100 runs or more in a season. Interesting. Which <laughs> rarely happens ever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they won 97 games that year. Okay. One thing, too, that's very interesting, Mario, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but... Up until 1957, mm -hmm. not counting the season 1955, we'll, uh, which I'll explain in a minute, the California League champion was the team with the best regular season. Yeah. Since 1958, it's been whoever wins the playoffs. But okay. uh, you have, like, in 1955, and the reason they went to a playoff was Channel Cities moved to Reno, so they had a first half and a second half, and the first half champion played the second half champion. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about a race that year. The final standings had Fresno with 105 wins, San Jose with 98, Stockton with 91. Yet San Jose with 98 wins, which is the second most in Cal League history, did oh, not make the playoffs. Geez. Because yeah. they did not win either one of the halves. Oh, my God. And that Stockton 55 team, if they had not called up Charlie Beeman, who was 16-0, and 0, mm -hmm. I'd put that right up there as one of the greatest teams also. Okay. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. I was just uh, curious again. Uh, I caught that podcast and I heard you guys, you know, obviously talking Stockton Ports at that time. Uh, but I was just uh, curious again as to what other teams uh, would be in the mix as far as some of the greatest teams. One, two, is uh, 2009 San Jose Giants. Uh, Buster Posey, Madison Bumgartner, yeah. uh, Brandon Crawford. And plus, they had, uh, I think it's like eight guy, eight of their starters went on to play in the major leagues. Oh, that's Some for just a cup of coffee, but uh, yeah. a lot of players on that team. No, oh, yeah, still to get eight guys from a, a single-A team to, to end up on a major league baseball roster, like, that, that's pretty incredible. Yes, um, in that 78 Visalia Oaks team, uh, was Kirby Puckett a part of that team? No, he was uh, 81 or 82. Okay. But okay. Uh, Visalia those years, they had Kent Herbeck, who went on to yeah. play with the Twins also. Mm -hmm. He played there. Uh, okay. Joe Charbonneau was uh, the player who got the most publicity from that 78 team. Okay, and yeah, and up until recently when they won the championship, they had a, a big gap since that 78 year um, when they had uh, hoisted the championship trophy. Yeah, one thing I'm not sure if you're aware of, they uh, hold the professional sports record 
for the most years being in the finals and losing. Oh, 13. Wow. <laughs> or no, excuse me, 11 times. Okay. Between 78 and last year, they were in the Cal Lake finals and lost oh, every wow. year. Okay, and yeah. next closest was the Lakers with eight <laughs> and the Dodge, Brooklyn Dodgers with seven. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering where the Buffalo Bills were at and that. They only got four, so. <laughs> They're still stuck at four. Yeah. <laughs> Before we, we get you out of here, uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about, um, you know, through our email conversations has kind of been the All-Star game. Um, you know, for a while, they, they didn't actually play the game. Is that correct? They, they kind of voted um, for the All-Stars and selected All-Star teams, but they didn't actually play an All-Star game? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So when when did that change? Do you, are you aware of when that that kind of occurred? They played it in 41, 46, 47, 49, 54, 55, and then 59 through 62, and then from 62 till 84 there was no All-Star game. Hmm. I think that's the period you're talking about. Yeah. And some of those years they did vote for All-Stars, but uh, you know, there was no game. Yeah. And the main reason is they just didn't feel people came to it. I mean, the attendance, like in 1955 in Modesto, only 950 people showed up. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, when they did resume it in 84 in San Jose, they actually started getting good crowds again, 3,600. And uh, since then, we've had it basically every year. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, one of my first um, experiences with the, uh, the All-Star game, um, as far as the California League was concerned, was when they played... Um, with the Carolina League, um, I remember going to the one in Modesto. Um, you know, I, I thought that was a pretty cool um, environment, a pretty cool setup to have those two single-A um, clubs going at each other. Um, I know you had a pretty cool experience with the uh, California-Carolina League All-Star Game. Um, you mind sharing that with us? No, not at all. I mean, it's one of my most memorable moments in California League, uh, being involved with the California League, and I got a phone call. Uh, this was the 75th anniversary, and they asked if I would give a short 10-minute speech on the history of the California League before the California First Hall of Fame induction class, which mm -hmm. included Ricky Henderson and Gary Sheffield. And I said, oh, I'd be honored. Yeah. And they also said, would you mind throwing out a first pitch? And I said, <laughs> okay. And so for two weeks, I practiced with my son. You got it. <laughs> And because uh, I didn't want to bounce the ball or yeah. throw it wide or over the catcher's head. For sure. <laughs> and uh, so we went down in the field and I just figured, well, Ricky Henderson, Gary Sheffield and Xavier Nady was there, too. And Jose Cruz Jr. and myself nice. would be throwing out the first pitch. No one would be looking at me. So yeah. no big deal. <laughs> Well, I got out there and they uh, told me, well, no, you're the league historian. This is the 75th anniversary. You're the only wow. one throwing the pitch. That's awesome. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> talk about being nervous, yeah, but right? uh, luckily I had a great catcher. Uh, told me not to worry and uh, I nailed it. So nice. that was my experience. And I do miss the California Carolina League All-Star Game. Yeah. Uh, they basically are the ones who wanted to stop it mm. it uh, a lot of it had to do with travel and yeah. uh, the other thing i'm not sure but we might not be having many more all-star games oh, because no? a lot of the major league affiliates are against it mm. and just to give you an example last year when we picked the cal league all-stars mm -hmm. i think about 40 some odd were picked mm -hmm. by the time the game was played we had to make 20 substitutions oh 
because various players get called up, yeah. and then there are various teams that say, well, this player's injured when yeah. I'm not going to say they are or are not, mm -hmm. but uh, the Major League affiliates are not for these All-Star games. Yeah, I, I could see, uh, I, could, I mean, not that I agree with it, but I could see, um, you know, their perspective on it and why they wouldn't want some of their assets out there, um, you know, in uh, putting themselves at risk. Correct. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, you, yeah, I, I thought it was a really cool setup. Um, you know, now it's, it's back to the uh, north-south um, type setup, and it was supposed to be uh, in Stockton this year, um, you know, and they typically announce the, uh, the next location at that All-Star game. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, so hopefully maybe they push it down the line and uh, Stockton gets an opportunity to host that next year. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah, that Because be... I know Pat Phillipone at was going to great lengths to set that all up. I mean, it's not something you just do two weeks before. You work on it yeah. the whole year before. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, being a, a guy who works in Stockton, um, you know, you know, the city uh, looks forward to those opportunities to be able to, to kind of showcase and highlight itself. And, uh, you know, that's a, a pretty good opportunity uh, to be able to do something like that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, Chris, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you uh, how much, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking some time uh, to talk about the California League with me. Um, you know, um, you know if, you, uh, if you're up to it, hopefully this won't be the, uh, the final time and we can continue having some of these conversations as I continue to, uh, you know, try to unearth some things and, uh, you know, get myself more ingrained with uh, the history of this league. Anything I can do to help, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, like I say, Michael and I working together together. Uh, we love the Cal League, and we love that you're getting involved in it, too. Yeah, no, it was pretty, pretty cool. Like I said, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, interesting tidbits that, uh, that I think baseball fans are, uh, would be surprised to, to hear and uh, enthralled to, to kind of check out. I agree. All right, that's the uh, California League historian, the official California League historian, Chris Lampy. Again, joining me, Mario Ramos, on the California League Research Project podcast. Uh, Chris, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. Pleasure being with you. Likewise. See ya. Thank you. To check out more of the California League Research Project podcast, go to anchor.fm.